If you're like me and have found this pandemic and its many, many lockdowns to be the perfect time to dive headfirst into film photography, or maybe you've been shooting films since before it was cool, back when freedom was legal, you've probably explored the multitude of ways to convert your analog shots to digital. Having extensively tested the flatbed method to a frustrating and fruitless end, I was keen to switch to the camera plus macro lens method that's been recommended to me by so many photographers, both on and off of the podcast. After scouring the market, I discovered a fantastic, multi-format, high-quality, cost-effective solution for securing my film and diffusing the light underneath it, allowing me to photograph it effectively. Its frame, range of interchangeable gates, and light diffuser make it possible to digitally photograph your film quickly and, most importantly to me, to a high standard. It allows you to scan 35mm, 120 and even 4x5. Visit pixel-later.com, that's P-I-X-L-L-A-T-R.com to find out more and get your own. Also check them out on Instagram, tell them that I sent you, and a massive thanks to Pixelator for supporting the podcast. Today is actually a bit of a blessed day because I woke up this morning and opened up my Instagram like most people do before and their eyes are even functioning properly. And after scrolling through for a bit, I noticed something had changed. And I don't know if this has changed all the way over in Australia um, or anywhere else in the world, but I do know for sure that it's changed in England. They are no longer showing the number of likes on posts. So I get the feeling a lot of ill-earned careers are about to disappear as a result of <laughs> the uh, effects of being an influencer being decreased by that happening. I'm very happy about that. People can start to just value things based on what they think of it and not look for the metric underneath. Uh, that's my whinge for the whole podcast out of the way. I'm very excited about the fact that that's changed. <laughs> but speaking of Instagram, something happened this week that uh, is is a very big indictment of the problems with things like YouTube um, and the algorithm they have. One of the complaints I've had in the past with YouTube is the fact that they just tend to push up the same people over and over again and the rich get richer and the poor get poorer in a sense of um, sort of notoriety and views and so on. And I got followed this week uh, by a photographer on Instagram. And, and as I often do, especially uh, with a lot of downtime during a pandemic, I go and have a, a look through the people that have followed me. I'm always looking for new work to enjoy. And I come across uh, a wonderful photographer. And as a bit of omnipotence, I was at the point of looking for some peel-apart Polaroids. This person shot some peel-apart Polaroids and they had a YouTube channel. So I ended up going down a whole rabbit hole finding an amazing photographer, a really enjoyable YouTube channel with, with not enough views and not enough subscribers. So we're going to work on that at the end of this. Darren, it's so wonderful to talk to you, to have you online. It feels like a whirlwind romance. It's happened in the space of about 72 hours from me first realizing you exist to here we are talking. Let's start off with how you got into photography. So what was it that made you want to pick up a camera in the first place? Oh, yeah. Uh, thanks for having me on. Um, <laughs> Uh, well, first thing that made me want to pick up a camera, I didn't, um, I didn't really take photos or have any interest in like photography until I was about 22. Um, and I'm 30 now for those who don't know me, obviously, but, um, so yeah, about eight years ago, um, I'd sort of like always played music and stuff and always had like that sort of creative flair about me, but I just never really, um, went into photography so much, but I was about 22 years old and, uh, my sister was an air hostess. Um, and she sort of short notice said to me, do you want to go to New York? I'm about to quit my job and we can go for really cheap. We may as well just 
go and, and enjoy it and before I quit and we don't have the cheap tickets anymore. So at a really short notice, we flew over um, to New York and I didn't even own a camera or anything like that. Um, so I just went to like the local CVS on the corner and I bought a couple of like Kodak uh, disposable cameras. And that's like, that's all I'd ever really known as well, because like, you know, born in the nineties. And if I was ever to take photos before that, my mom would just give me a disposable camera to take or whatever. So I'd never really learned or knew too much about digital photography or anything like that. And I also didn't want to spend any money and the disposables were like, 15 bucks for two or something. Right. Um, so yeah, I just went around took photos on that trip um, and just really kind of enjoyed it. But I didn't like, I didn't sort of go, I want to be a photographer now. Um, I just sort of enjoyed that. And I, I didn't even pay much mind to the fact that it was shooting on film or anything like that. People weren't even really talking that much about shooting film back then. And then I came home um, and I just kind of kept shooting photos. So I bought a few more like disposables. And then a friend of mine who was like into photography, I messaged him and I was like, Hey, have you got a camera maybe that I can buy? And he gave me an Olympus MJU2 or Mu2, whatever they call them, which are now like, you know, these cult classic sort of cameras. And he sold it to me for $80. And uh, about a year later, I went uh, traveling again. I went back to New York. Um, and around America a bunch. I just took that film camera with me and this time just a bunch of rolls of film and shot heaps of photos. And then basically I just came back and I just kept doing it. And then it just kind of snowballed from there. Um, people started noticing, I guess, my photography, but I wasn't even at that point calling it photography. I was just taking pictures. Um, and then people sort of started asking me to take pictures of them and like of their bands and stuff. And, offering to give me money for it. And then, yeah, it just kind of snowballed from there. I can keep going, but that's the short version. <laughs> well, it's interesting. I'm seeing more and more people, and I guess it's more to do with my exposure through doing the podcast than than maybe uh, reality, I guess. Um, it's just what I'm seeing of it. But it feels like more and more people, especially at a younger age, are finding photography through film as opposed to through digital. And obviously... Younger people tend to, tend to have less money. Um, the money tends to come when you don't have the time. That's sort of the irony of life. Uh, but pe- you know, film photography is a much more expensive endeavor in the long run than, than digital is because, you know, memory cards versus f- cost of repeated rolls of film. What is it that you prefer about film over digital, especially given sort of the route that you took? Well, yeah, again, it wasn't like I, I didn't decide to to shoot film it just was the first thing that i picked up i guess um and also like like i said i was never like i'm going to be a photographer so i didn't um want to you know spend an amount of money on like a decent digital camera or something like that i was like not not really that interested in uh becoming like a professional at that point um but then yeah film like i guess since then um I've kind of done it all backwards. Like most photographers <laughs> and like the people I've listened to on this podcast often are like, Oh, I shot digital and I knew the ins and outs of digital photography and video and all that sort of stuff. And then, you know, a year ago I picked up film and, and now I shoot film. But for me, it's, it's kind of always been film and I don't know, like I actually don't even really know much about uh, digital photography. Um, and I tried, so I quit my job when I was about, 25, um, to go to university and study photography. Um, 
because I just was in a bit of a bit of a dead end job and a career I didn't like. And I was like, oh, look, I'm going to have a go at this. And I went to university and they start you off on film in your first few units and that sort of thing. And then next thing I know, they're giving us digital cameras and Canon 5Ds and all that sort of stuff. And for me, I was like, oh, you know, it makes more sense, I guess, to, to switch to digital. It's like it's more cost effective and that sort of thing. And I was trying to shoot digital and I just wasn't getting the results that I wanted. Um, and I don't really know like why that is. Like I don't have any issue with people shooting digital photos of photo at the end of the day. But um, well, if I could jump in there, do you mean that you weren't getting what you wanted from it in terms of the final result or the process itself? Uh, both, both. I didn't like, one of the first things I noticed was when you were working with someone and they asked to see the photo mid shoot. Um, and I was kind of like, we're still, we're still shooting. And then, uh, <laughs> like, it's like, it's like a distract, it's a distraction. I think that screen on the back of the, on the back of the camera. And then, um, from there, you know, I would put the SD card in the computer and I've got like 500 photos that I have to go through. And I was like, I don't like, and, and you know, you might be two next to each other and they're almost exactly the same, but someone's moved their eye like an inch or like a, a millimeter, I should say. And it's like, Oh, which one's better. And then I'm overthinking it. And I also don't like sitting on the computer all that much. So then like the editing time is longer with digital. Um, so there was just a bunch of things where I, and, and, but in my head, I was like, if I want to be a professional, I have to learn or move to digital because that's what, people do in my like at the time you know we're, we're, we're going back like five years or so now but um eventually i just kind of caved and was like nah I, I just don't like shooting digital and i just went back to film um even though it was expensive and um you know it's a it's more drawn out process um and you end up with less photos but yeah i don't know i just never really turned back and that was weird because in the last you know five years film has become this this huge thing again um so i guess maybe i feel more validated now i don't know well this is something where you feel like um you had your own uh, i guess little corner of the world where you were the one shooting film and everyone was moving more and more towards digital and this is exactly how i would see it and and it's purely down to probably how petty i am but the second that it becomes popular i'm almost like oh maybe i don't want to do this anymore now because I don't want it to be like I'm doing it because it's popular. I want to, you know, I, 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 I don't know. I feel like if I was shooting film for a few years and then, you know, it was gradually receding and no one was interested and, and then all of a sudden it had this big boom, like it, like you say, it has had in the last, you know, three, four, five years, I would almost be like, well, you know, now almost like a hipster, I guess. I don't want to say that, but I feel like I would be, I'd be a bit like, well, now I don't want to do it because everyone else is doing it. Yeah, I, I have sort of thought that at some points, but also like I don't really know how else to do it. Um, so it's kind of like my only option. I uh, like even with my so like I've started this YouTube channel and like I had to go and buy a digital camera to even make the YouTube channel because I didn't own one. And you know I just get it, and I'm like, there's so many buttons and there's so many settings and all this shit that I don't know what it is. So I just like literally like my YouTube production is so low because like I don't really know or care how to like make my digital production amazing or whatever. Um, it'd be cool like in the future maybe, but you know, like I'm never sitting there. I'm like, oh, I'm going to sit down and learn about 
my digital video camera or whatever. So I had to go out and like buy a digital camera for just for the YouTube stuff. And I did not buy an expensive one or anything like that. And I'm just sort of making do with what I have. But yeah, no, sorry, on the on the hipster sort of side of things, no, nah, I'm not. I think it's cool to see people getting back into film um, or into film for the first time, I should say, because it seems to be a lot more of like the younger crew. Um, but I don't, to me, I like, I don't take it all that seriously. I know like fads come and go as bad as that sounds. I don't really think there is an interest in film photography at the minute so much as there is an interest in uh, telling your friends that you shoot film. I don't know. Or just right, like right. The, the, the aesthetic of the photo rather than like people aren't buying SLRs. People are buying point shoots. They're not interested in learning about shutter speeds and aperture and all that sort of stuff. They just want to have the cool Instagram picture that they shot on the point and shoot. Um, So I don't know if I, I see it as much of an interest in film photography so much as just like taking photos on film, if that makes sense. I don't know. Um, I guess that kind of, you know, something that's been, I've been trying to sort of swill around in my head for a while and, and ask various people about is just, it feels like if you've got this huge resurgence of something, you know, that it seems to be, I think, especially I'm a digital photographer in essence, I I do shoot film, but I'm no way a film photographer. I'm very much a digital photographer. It's what I use for my work and so on. The, The digital side of things has become incredibly stale. And that's because for so long, they were using sales techniques that whilst, whilst they worked, they worked, but the second that they stopped working, they were really damaging for the the longevity of creating that buzz around the market. You know, things like megapixels, things like the noise in in images and so on. People actually should be excited about the lenses and about, um, you know, how you're going to use the camera and not so much about stupid numbers that don't really factor into an end product, especially not for people that aren't photographers themselves. And it feels weird to me that the real buzz in photography at the moment is around film. And and I agree with you. I feel like a, a significant portion of that well into the majority is around people that want to say they shoot film as opposed to, you know, the actual process of shooting film. But I find it very strange that companies aren't capitalizing on film's resurgence. You know, we've seen Fuji have pulled a film stock mm-hmm. out of production. And I understand that that's for a variety of reasons, although I believe that that's all a bit of a facade and it's actually just because it wasn't particularly popular and it wasn't cheap to produce. Um, I don't think businesses make business decisions based on anything other than business. So I get the impression that that, that what happened there was, was more down to money than anything else, regardless of what they've said. But why aren't companies capitalizing? Why aren't we seeing you know new film cameras being touted by the likes of Canon, who obviously pioneered so many great ones in the past? Why is it just being ignored by the commercial side of things, do you think? I've thought about that, actually. And I was kind of like, at first as well, I was like, they should bring out new, at least a new point and shoot, like Olympus or something like that, um, just to like sort of fill this market. But then I really thought about it and I was like, all these people that seem to want to shoot 35 mil photos or whatever at the minute, they're all buying these secondhand old point and shoots that are like, Oh, in Australian dollars, they're like a hundred bucks. And if you go back to like the cost of, you know, say one of the Olympus um, Muse or something when they first came out and then also bring into account like inflation, that sort of thing. I don't think that those companies would be able to produce like a new point and shoot 
and sell it for hundred bucks. You know what I mean? Like I think that they would have to put a price mark on them of like maybe $500 or something like that. And I reckon the market and the people that are like wanting to shoot those photos would probably still just buy the hundred dollar secondhand point and shoot. I don't think they would invest the money in that. I, I don't know. That's, that's what I put it down to. I was like, why are people not producing new cameras? But you do see like, you've got like film never die. And like, um, I think, uh, Ilford just bought one out. They're bringing out these like essentially reloadable, um, disposable cameras, right. single fixed focus lens things or whatever. They're definitely nowhere near like, you know, your, your contacts or whatever that the actual autofocus systems. But, um, I guess they are producing new film cameras kind of, <laughs> but they're just not like anything special. But I, yeah, I just think if, if a company like Olympus or Fuji or something produced a new sophisticated film camera, people would still buy vintage gear because it's cheaper. Right. Well, I mean, that makes total sense. It's just, it's, you know, I mean, anytime you get a market like this, it feels like there's going to be people that have ample amounts of excess income and the status of it and so on will drive them to spend a lot of money. I mean, people are, are spending copious amounts of money on film and developing and, you know, you know, the, the whole process of scanning and everything for, like you say, point and shoot shots. So, the the camera might cost you know a hundred dollars or you know a hundred quid or whatever, but at the end of the day, you're spending ample amounts more money anyway because of the process. So it just it feels like there is, if it's marketed correctly, and I'm sure there's there's plenty of people out there that are smart enough to do it. I feel like there is room for this to be commercialized a little bit more. And I know that sounds like something that I shouldn't really say because I shouldn't want big companies to make more money. And I know everyone has to hate the rich while they constantly try and become rich themselves and the ultimate irony of how stupid people have become. But um, it does feel like there's room for more cameras to be made because I had a conversation a while back with um, another wonderful film photographer and YouTuber, Bray Hunziker, and I said to him, are we not more likely to, we're more likely to run out of cameras before we run out of film. For the longest time, we've all been worried about film, you know, disappearing. But actually, especially Mm. with people, and I really shouldn't say this, Unironically, I am actually sat next to a huge wall full of cameras, but with people hoarding <laughs> cameras, with cameras that break and there's no one around to fix them and so on, the cameras are going to disappear before the film does. It just feels like maybe there's there's space for Canon to step in and reboot the EOS 3 or, or, or something like that. Olympus, like you say, to come out of a point and shoot, there would actually be quite a decent amount of money in there. And I think like now's the time to capitalize on it. Yeah, I thought like even going back like two or so years ago when things started to pick up, I was thinking that these companies might bring one out. Um, It's kind of weird to have not seen that, you know what I mean? And then, yeah, and then see companies like Fuji that are like discontinuing things as well. Um, Yeah, no, it's 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 strange. Like even, you know, companies like Kodak are doing really well at the minute as well. And I'm like, maybe they could, you know, they used to make cameras, but yeah. yeah, who knows? I, I guess maybe I'm not that worried about it because I've also got a wall for cameras <laughs> that uh, I can rely on. I've like sold cameras over the years and then realizing like now what those cameras have become worth. And so about a year ago, I was like, that's it. Like I'm not selling any of my gear. Like So all my, my gear is just stacking up because I was like, you know, I sold a Contax G1 for not much. Um, and then looking at the cost of them now, I'm like, wow, like I kind of really wish that I hung on to that one. 
Well, it's going to become like sports cars, right? It's going to become like classic cars where people will buy them as an investment. You'll have people with a yeah. Pentax 6-7 in the garage just in case, you know, the, the banks fail again and it's their way out. <laughs> Pay for groceries with it. Yeah, no, it's crazy how uh, expensive some stuff has gotten. But then at the same time, there is still like stuff that I look at and I'm like, that's pretty cheap for what it is. And I think it will become eventually become more expensive. But yeah, no, I bought... I, I bought a bunch of my stuff like about five or so years ago and the prices were, were pretty good. But even at the time then I thought they were too high and then now they're just like crazy high. My Olympus like MJU or whatever I was telling you about before that I bought for $80 got stolen out of my car. And then I was like, well, I can't, I don't really want to buy another one for 500 bucks. Like yeah. it's just not worth it. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's incredibly frustrating. And, and, I guess the other side of it, if we go away from the commercialization of it, something as you're outside of the US, um, I feel like you'll probably understand where I'm coming from here. You've probably spent the last 12 months um, on social media, swiping through endless amounts of people from America explaining social responsibility to the rest of the world, like we didn't have it already going for us. <laughs> and uh, there seems to be this big push lately on like what you can do to help a community or what you can do to help a cause or what you can do to help, you know, something like, um, you know, there's good sides to it, like the plastic in the ocean and so on. And then there's the, the other sides of it where people just start to find trivial stuff to become experts on because uh, it's always nice to be seen as an expert. A lot of social responsibility. Is there a social responsibility from the film community in the sense of, you know, maintaining and, and progressing it, maybe like not having a wall full of cameras again. I think we're both probably have to be quite sheepish about that, but is there a responsibility mm. in terms of, you know, not, I, I don't even know how it could manifest, but like not being a dick about it. Because I think if the, if the, the general consensus is that it's like an elitist thing it's going to push more people away from it. And really, it should be about maintaining it as much as possible. YouTubers that post new cameras that they've bought off of eBay every week, they always drive up a huge surge of interest in that camera. So the prices go through the roof and then the cameras disappear because people are suddenly searching for a camera they hadn't heard of before the last YouTube video came out. Is there like a responsibility there on, on behalf of the, the community for us to not kind of uh, shit on our own doorstep, I guess? Yeah, I think so. And I think like, you know, you see it as well with like film stocks and that sort of stuff. Like recently the whole Fuji Pro or whatever that got discontinued. I can't even remember the name, but as soon as it got discontinued, the price just went insane, like yeah. scalping concert tickets or something. Um, but generally like, you know, I don't, I don't really engage too much. I don't really know what's going on in like America and in the UK and that sort of thing. But in Australia, like people are generally pretty cool. Like they, they just sell stuff for what it's worth. And like I said, with that, that FP 100 that I picked up, the guy was like really nice about it. And was kind of like, I just want someone to get some use out of it. Um, the Australian sort of film community is like really, really supportive. And, um, yeah, when it comes to like the, the big names on YouTube and all that sort of stuff, I don't really, I don't know. It just seems like money's gotten involved and it's a bit, a bit messy but yeah i don't know like i'm a self-confessed person that like i like live under an internet rock i really don't know what's going on uh in the world and i don't like to so i actually i work in um well, i work part-time in it strangely because i really dislike computers <laughs> and technology but 
Um, there's a, there's a long story about that, but basically that was the career I went into after I finished school because I didn't know what to do. And my parents were like, we have to do something. And, um, I, and anyway, I, I ended up doing that full time. And then now I just do it like a couple of days a week just to sort of pay the rent and that sort of stuff. Right. But, um, once I've sort of clocked off those two or three days that I'm on a computer for work, I just don't want to be on a computer anymore. So I don't like, yeah, like even starting a YouTube channel, I was, I was a bit like a bit wary of it because I, I was like, I'll have to go on and like might have to like reply to comments and like all that <laughs> sort of stuff. Um, you know, cause I don't want to be like a dick and like not like if someone watches my video and like comments and stuff, I don't want to like just ignore it and that sort of thing. So like, wake up in the morning, I like go on and make sure like I've replied to stuff and all that sort of thing. But I guess that comes back to shooting film again as well. It's like, there's just like, you know, the power could go out or whatever and I can still take photos, you know? Um, but yeah, in terms of social responsibility, I think as long as just everyone sort of stops doing shit, like selling film stocks that are discontinued for like crazy amounts and all that sort of stuff. And just tries to hype each other up. Like you're, you're doing with the podcast, which is sick. Like it's really cool to see. I was listening to, listen to a bunch of them now, but um just finding out about people that I've I've never heard of before. Like you said, the algorithm can kind of bury a lot of people. Um so yeah, stuff like that's super positive as well. Well I feel like you've got a bunch of people that uh, regardless of the medium, whether it's digital or or film, they're excited by photographers. They're excited by work of other photographers. They're excited by just photography in general, the process, the, the, the final product, they like sharing stuff. They're like, like I'm, I'm hugely excited about finding new photographers. It's something that it's just something that whenever I find someone new whose work I can obsess over, it feels like I get the same sort of level of satisfaction. I think people get from a new purchase, if that makes sense, like rather than having to spend the money to feel, you know, validated in like, Oh, my pictures need to be better. Therefore I'll go buy a new lens. I actually feel like when I find a new influence, that's something that really boosts me in mood and, and it makes me want to go out and shoot. It makes me want to take part more. With, with yourself, what were the influences when you first started and, and what are they now? Are they all photography related? Are you, are you a big fan of any particular photographers or do you find your influence outside? I don't know in terms of like influence. Uh, so I, like I said, I used to always, well, I still do, but I've, I've played music like my whole life. Um, so sometimes like it can even just come down to like a song or an album or something like that, that might get me really like jazzed up for the day. And then I'm like, okay, now I'm going to go and take photos. Um, so it's not even like a direct sort of visual inspiration or anything like that. But photography wise, I, you know, there's, there's obviously like the greats, like I'm literally just looking at my shelf now and I've got like a Ryan McGinley book, uh, uh, David Lynch book, uh, Richard Miserak, uh, landscape photographer, even though I don't even really take landscape photos, but, um, one of the biggest, uh, I guess moments for me photography wise was, um, in New York of all places, an inspirational place, but I, um, I was there on my own and I just went into like this, uh, little gallery that was being held somewhere in like the midtown. It was in like an old police precinct and every, uh, cell like every jail cell or whatever was a different artist space um and this was a a point like I said like I was just taking photos because I was traveling I wasn't trying to be a photographer or anything and then I went into this little room and it was it was blacked out it's like a dark room 
and there was little red torches hanging from the ceiling and all the prints were up on the wall and you could walk around and shine the red torch onto the prints to have a look at them. And there was a guy in there and his name was um, Jesper Haynes. So it's J-E-S-P-E-R and then H-E-Y-N-E-S. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was selling photo books um, and I just started chatting with him and had a look at his book and he was this guy and like I, I still don't think he's like a household name by any means but you know, he was a friend of like Andy Warhol's and he lived, um, you know, through sort of like the AIDS uh, epidemic in New York city and that sort of thing. And he'd photographed kind of 20 years of living in the same apartment and the people coming and people going and all that sort of stuff. And I bought a copy of his book and he signed it for me and we had a chat and that I think was like a bit of a tipping point for me where I was like, hang on, like maybe this interest in photography is more than just you know, casually taking photos. So if I could think back to just one inspirational sort of moment, that was definitely one of them. Um, yeah, that's, but the, on the day, on the day to day, um, it can be anything from a film from going for a walk to the beach, to listening to a record. It could be anything. I don't, as bad as it sounds, get a lot out of, looking at other people's photos, like photography wise, like I, I can look at them and appreciate them, but I don't look at them and go like, Oh, that makes me want to take a photo. <laughs> like, I don't know why, but it just, it just doesn't. Um, films, films do it. Films definitely do it to me. Yeah. Um, but photos, not so much. Yeah. Well, you mentioned photo books there and I'm on a bit of a push at the moment to sort of get more myself. I've got a couple uh, coming very soon in the post from a previous podcast guest, Eli Warren. I'm extremely excited about them arriving. I feel like photo books are a little bit overlooked now because everything's on a screen, everything's in your pocket, everything's for free. I do actually mm-hmm. think there's something much more enjoyable about a tangible book in your hands. You know, something you can go back to, you can you get a feel for it, it's tactile. Am I Am I being a little bit too philosophical about books being important compared to what they are on screen? No, I have heaps of books. I think books are extremely important. And that's like something that, like I bought that first book, like I was telling that story. But once I got to university and they were, you know, I was studying photography, it was always books. And it was always go to the library and get books, bring the books into class, open the books, let's look at the books. Like it's always about the hard copies of the photos. Like it's really hard for me and like frustrating for me when I like, I'll do a shoot or something and I'll come home and I'll scan the negatives after they've been developed and it's on my big computer screen and it's big and it's large and whatever. And then it's consumed solely on like people's phones. Yeah. Um, you know, it would be awesome if we were still looking at, at, at prints, but it's just not really the way it is anymore. But I think like for photographers and for artists to produce bodies of work and books and that sort of thing, like I had to make a, um, well, I did make a book for my grad project for um university and like so i i spent a year studying um in the u.s as well in washington state so you mentioned bray um his youtube channel brings up a lot of sort of memories for me being over there but i ended up shooting like a huge body of work while i was there and then putting that into a book um but being shitty at Instagram and the internet, like I am, it doesn't say that anywhere on my page. Um, but yeah, no, so, so books, yeah, books are super important, tangible copies of photos, that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, I've got a book in front of me right now and it's Miles Aldridge. Miles Aldridge is 
a really big sort of, I don't want to say inspiration because I don't shoot anything like his, but um, his work's incredible. And like, just, he, he sort of builds entire sets for his shoots. And um, that's something that I'd like to work sort of towards in the future, but can't really afford to have a studio at the minute. <laughs> <laughs> well, music, you've mentioned music a couple of times and um, I, I, previously in a, one of my past lives was a, a musician of some description. What's interesting to me about music is the way that you, it's, it's a very reactive thing. So when you're playing music by yourself, you're writing music in your own space on your own, it can be very sterile and you can kind of end up going down the same three or four channels over and over again, not really producing anything new and interesting. But if you put that same musician in a situation where they're playing with someone else, they instantly change in terms of their own style. You know, things start to develop, they start to blossom really quickly. I always feel like jam sessions are very similar to war in the sense that like every time there's been like a world war or any kind of major conflict, technology and medicine and everything just goes through the roof. It gets all, it all gets brought up because it has to, because it's, you know, it's a war. Everyone's trying to one up the other and, any advancements in technology and so on go through the roof. And I feel like when you put musicians in a room together, you get this weird similarity in the sense that they start finding extra gears they didn't know they had. They start reacting off of what the other person's doing. They find different avenues of their own voice and so on. It's, it's a wonderful experience. And photography is, is sort of similar, but because there's so many different genres and, and you know, I find landscape to be one of the hardest for me to mentally kind of get get myself into because I don't feel like there's anything reactive. You go to a place, the place looks nice. You wait till the light's good. You take a picture. That was the place. And it feels like there's not much reciprocation, maybe just entirely down to the way that I look at it. But when you photograph people, you know, I've worked with people who look fantastic and I've had no connection with at all. And it just, it's very hard for me to find that extra gear to, to really make my work look as good as I want it to look. And then on the other side, there's been people who maybe I wouldn't have picked out of a crowd um, if I was going entirely off of what I see on social media. But the the connection and the way that you work off each other produces fantastic images. Am I am I kind of describing how you feel about that? That like there are people you work with when you're photographing people that really bring out something different from you? Um, yeah, yeah. Like I've, I'd say in like the last sort of 12 months, obviously pandemic and all that sort of stuff, haven't been working with anyone really new. Like, well, it's weird because so my YouTube channel, I spend a lot of time just shooting photos of my girlfriend, but mainly because I don't want the first time I work with a new person to be saying to them, Hey, I'm going to be filming you as well as taking photos of you. <laughs> um, so it's just easier to use or to work with my girlfriend. Shout out to Anya. Um, and she helps me with filming and that sort of stuff. And then, yeah, when it comes to working with like new people, I often just find like the first time I shoot the new model or a new musician or something like that, it's okay, you know, but the the thing that is in my head is like the next shoot's definitely going to be good. I think it's just because you've like spent time around that person, like got to know that person a little bit. Um, and then once that's been done, you're just a little bit like more comfortable for the next shoot that you do. Um, and yeah, it obviously it like totally depends what you're getting from the person that you're shooting and the person that you're working with. And 
it is a, a collaboration most of the time. And, um, you know, usually it, it depends. It depends if someone's like, you know, contacted you saying this is specifically what we need and here's a brief and so on and so on. But if it's something where you're just like collaborating with a model, you know, giving them prints in order for them to model for you and that sort of thing. Um, yeah. Then you just sort of work on your concept and, uh, and it just comes down to, yeah, the, the sort of energy that you have with that person on the day and, Sometimes they're good and sometimes they're not that good, but you've got to just sort of <laughs> work with what you've got. But what makes a good model for you? What makes a good model? Um, I think people that are just kind of like open to trying things. Um, like for me, like, I don't know, I'm, I'm like a bit self-conscious about it when I work with people because I feel like photography, when you're doing a photo shoot with a model, for example, they think that they show up and they sort of give you that their, their specific looks or whatever it is that they do and looking down the barrel of the lens and and uh, you just snap away and snap away. But I just feel like, and because I, I work with my girlfriend, I knew a bunch and she shoots digital. Um, so we might go to a shoot and we'd be working with someone and she would just be firing shots. And then I'll sort of go to take my photo and I've got medium format, six, seven with 10 photos in it. Um, and I'm sort of stepping around and I'm looking around and I'm thinking and I'm asking people to stand there and then I'm not taking a photo and then I'm moving around and all that sort of stuff. I just work like super slowly and meticulously, but obviously again, that comes back to shooting with film. Um, but yeah, that makes me feel a little bit self-conscious. So I guess like for me, a good model is someone that can just kind of be a little bit patient with me in that aspect and, and work with me, uh, yeah, on what I'm trying to get out of that photo because I kind of like, you know, I, I these days I'll go to a shoot. Um, I only shoot like one max, two rolls of medium format. Um, so that's like 20 photos. So I just want to make sure that that hit rate is like really high and that I go home and I every photo that I scan or almost all the photos I scan are, are good, you know. Um, and, yeah, so for that I just need patient models who will be malleable and open to to ideas well i've I've heard before that the like the secret to a good actor or actress is not being afraid to get it wrong because obviously you guard yourself then and you're you're more restrictive and you're less open to to pushing things a little bit further and i feel like that's that's a really a really strong point because i feel like a lot of people that want to have their photo taken, especially now that everyone's taking their own photo more than they're being photographed with, with sort of selfie culture being a big deal. A lot of people will settle for a shoot of five out of 10 shots, you know, like, you know, middle of the road, they're good. They're not great. They're not bad. They're just good shots. Um, they have their same three or four expressions and then that's probably being generous in some cases, but actually the ones that are okay with getting a few two out of 10, shots usually also end up with a few eight out of tens and um i feel like maybe people are too excited to have and i've this is this is very much a sort of a self-review here i've been way too safe in the past as well and i've been at a point where i'm like more focused on consistency than doing something that i really feel is the next step forwards like i'm kind of always trying to and i think it's down to kind of almost an ocd level with my work that I'm kind of worried about getting the eight out of 10 shot because I know if I play it safe, I can walk away with a five or a six out of 10 and I don't have to worry about the ones that look like a two out of 10. Yeah. Is that kind of consistency in your work something that you, you know, you worry about on shoot or are you just 
not a psychopath like me and you actually enjoy the process. <laughs> it's interesting you said before you said a good actor and I was like, to me, like at the risk of sounding like a pretentious dickhead, when I say, when I do a shoot, like it is almost like the model is, is an actor, you know what I mean? And, and the shoot is, is almost like a film set. Like for me, I don't, like I'll, I'll be watching a film and, and sometimes, you know, say I'll pause it and I'll walk away and I come back and I'm like, that frame is incredible. Like it's a, yeah. it's a still, you know what I mean? And, and when I'm shooting, I quite often am trying to catch like these stills that are almost look like they're a scene out of something where there's a storyline behind it and so on. But it's, that's a hard thing to achieve with a model as well, because again, people think that well, models usually, I guess, will come and they'll look down the barrel of the lens and, you watch a film, you never see the actor staring into the lens. You know what I mean? Like, so, so to me, it kind of like, I, I try to shoot people without them looking directly at me, but, um, you know, if I'm not super comfortable with someone, then I'm, I struggle to kind of push them into that direction. And then I'll end up with, you know, a bunch of photos that I'm never going to use. Um, but, you know, you do have to give people what they've come for as well, especially if they're giving you their time um, and they, you know, they need to get the certain shots that they want to get as well. So, yeah, it is collaborative. But, no, nah, in terms of like, like you said, just being like really meticulous and trying to plan things, I literally like I'll, I'll rock into a shoot and if, if it works, it works. And if it doesn't, it doesn't. If it's good, it's good. And if it's shit, then oh well. <laughs> I don't know. We'll try again next time. Um I'm not yeah too fussed on that. My biggest perfectionist issue is that I just like never post anything online because like I overthink it and I just end up like, like I think I started posting stuff like two days ago, but I hadn't posted anything since like August last year because I'll be like, Oh, maybe I'll post this photo. And then I'll be like, ah, nah, maybe, maybe it's shit. <laughs> like I'm, I'm very like critical of my, of my own, my own work, but, you know, if I do a shoot and, and I don't get a good hit rate of photos, I'm not like upset about it. And it's, it's whatever. Well, I've, something I've sort of heard from various photographers at all different levels in the past is that idea of like your Instagram or whatever is your branding and like everything you put out has to be put out at certain times. And, you know, you have to use certain hashtags and you have to be very particular about what order you put stuff out in and, and, and so on and so forth. And I have a I have a personal rule, which is if someone mentions algorithm unironically as like a point of conversation, I tend to switch off completely because <laughs> like if you're if you're a creative and, and your main focus is something like trying to game the algorithm, you know, I I don't know what it is about me as a person, but I just find that to be so uninteresting and so tedious. And I'd rather talk about process than than just trying to generate a bigger number, which I'm again going to reiterate. I'm really glad they've taken away from underneath the photos. The number of likes got taken away in Australia, like oh six months ago, maybe more. Well, I feel cheated now. Yeah, yeah. I thought that. I thought that everyone had that. Um, you know, I, I don't care about likes or anything like that. Like in my YouTube channel, it's like I don't know. I, I think I think it's hell crap, but like I think it's a bit. It's just like it's just funny, like how bad my production is, and like I'm like I'm pretty. I'm a weirdly shy person, but like I'm quite a social person. But I'm quite a shy person. But I can't like a university. If I had to stand up in front of the class and talk, like I I would 
shit myself. But I, if I was sat back down with those exact same people, I could talk to them just fine. But it's super weird because I started this YouTube channel and I'm like trying to talk to a camera, which is so like not not good for me. Like I was like, hell struggle with it. So yeah, when it, and so when it comes to like Instagram and YouTube and all that sort of stuff, I like post and ghost. So I like post stuff and then I like bail. And then when I come back on, I, I don't, I don't check like likes or comments or anything like that. But on YouTube, I check comments because I'm trying to like be nice and might reply to people. But, um, yeah, with like Instagram and that sort of thing, like I, I accepted, like, especially considering where I live, like I live in, so this is like the most isolated capital city in the world. There's very slim to no chance that I'm going to make a career out of being a film photographer here. So like, I don't feel any kind of pressure to be like, Oh, I need a sheet algorithm or all that sort of crap. I'm just like, I'm just going to do what I do. And like, I work part-time, I make money, I can pay my rent. I don't have that like stress of uh, having to hustle or anything like that. And, and I, at, at first when I like studied and when I graduated and all that sort of stuff, I thought, that's what I would do that. I'd like really hustle and I want to be a full-time photographer and I want that to be my main income and stuff. But now I'm just kind of like, I'd rather just chill. Hey, like I'll just work a couple of days at my old career and then I can just do what I want in that other time. Um, and if a job comes up that I like, I'll take it. And if a job comes up that I don't like, I don't have to take it because it's not my, uh, my bread and butter money, you know? Um, See, so yeah, I'm not too fussed about all the the Instagram and the the YouTube channel I started just because I was kind of like I'd I'd go to look for a certain video or I'd go to research a certain topic or something. And if I couldn't really find anything about it, and like especially when it comes to like the peel apart film stuff, that was when I was like, oh, like I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna try this at home uh, on my own time. So maybe I should like put it online. You know, maybe I should like show people because no one else seems to be seems to be doing it um and i'm gonna do it anyway but yeah <laughs> sorry i'm rambling no you're good i mean you mentioned like being in an isolated area and and obviously that affecting the possibility of you making a career out of it and i've mentioned before on the podcast about culture hubs obviously america has two mm. generally speaking one major one and then you know california la hollywood tends to be the main one and new york being depending on who you ask, the secondary one or, or an equal. In England, we have London, and it doesn't seem to matter where you are in England, everybody says they're from London when they work in a creative field because I guess they're only a train ride away and they can just pretend. And for some reason, being from London or being based in London is somehow influential to the quality of the work that you produce. I'm not really sure I understand the, the point of that in any way, shape yeah. or form. And obviously, like you said, in Australia, you're in quite an isolated spot. Are we, with the internet and with, you know, me and you are having a conversation right now. You're in Australia, I'm in England. It seems to be going fine. There doesn't seem to be any issues. You didn't have to go, you know, you didn't have to hop on a plane and go to Beijing and I didn't have to go to London. <laughs> so are we a little bit beyond the need for these stupid cultural hubs where we can actually just look for people who produce great work as opposed to look for people dependent on location? Yeah, I think like you can definitely, you know, discover new people in that way. Um, but like in terms of, you know, like I, I'm not thinking that like Gucci are going to call me tomorrow and like fly me to Italy or something to to do a shoot because they liked my work. 
Like at the end of the day, I am where I am. Like I'm like a long way away from from everywhere else and where all that stuff sort of happens. And like I'm kind of fine with that as well. Like in Australia, like or in Perth. So Perth is in Western Australia for people who don't know, and it's really far away from the rest of Australia. People think of like Sydney and Melbourne and all that sort of stuff. Most people who are sort of on the rise around here would normally the next step, and it's probably similar to America and out um, LA and whatever. The next step is to like relocate to that spot, you know, like yeah. relocate to Sid- Sydney or relocate to Melbourne or something like that. Um, and I thought for a while, like you know, maybe I'd do that, but like now I'm just especially, especially after all the like stuff that's happened in the last year. Uh, we're COVID free over here, so we're just chilling and and going to the beach and and yeah, everything's a bit a bit slow now, but I kind of like it, and I think I'm gonna just gonna just keep it keep it that way but yeah no i think um we can definitely discover new people for sure and like you know look if by some strange stretch the youtube thing took off or something or like selling prints or something like that it could become a sustainable uh income but i think that's like relative to saying maybe i'll become a rock star or like (laughs) you know what i mean like it's probably it's probably not going to happen. Like, don't, don't plan for that because, you know, it's probably not a good idea. Well, that's exactly my philosophy with my wife hates this, but I always say that pessimists are actually optimists when you think about it, because when you're an optimist, you're just constantly disappointed. But if you're a pessimist, everything's <laughs> a bonus. So you're always being cheered up. And as a, as a consummate pessimist on my part, I always feel like I've got to speak up for those of us that expect the worst and enjoy whatever else we get from it. Yeah. I'm like, I'm just like, as far as photography goes and, and it was the same, like with music stuff as well. I was like, let's just make stuff we like, do things we like. And if someone eventually says, Hey, I want to pay you for it, then that's awesome. And if that happens to the point where you don't have to work at your day job anymore, that's also cool. But don't like, for lack of a better term, quit your day job. <laughs> you know what right. I mean? Like you just you gotta take it in steps and stuff. But I think once I once I sort of accepted that I was like happy to do photography for me, I was it's a lot more um you you're not you're not doing work based on what you think might get you more work or doing work based on what you think my, people might like or whatever. Cause if you do that, you're always gonna be behind because like you'll see a trend you'll start doing it and then the next trend will already be there. So like, there's no point in doing that. You mentioned music earlier and a really yeah. quick question. I apologize if this seems like a bit of a, a, a bit of a pretentious question, but what does photography give you personally in terms of enjoyment or fulfillment? What does it give you different um, from music? Um, you know, that's a, that's a good question actually. Um, because they're both like, you know, collaborative and they're both creative and that sort of thing. Um, I don't know. Let me think about that. I think, I think I kind of just grew out of music a little bit. It's a similar sort of creative um, satisfaction, I guess. But it's weird because, like, I, like I've, I'm not a gear person. If you hadn't noticed already, but like when it comes to um you know, obviously I own some cameras and that sort of stuff, but if someone's like, Oh, show me how to lock the mirror up or whatever. Like, I don't know how to do that. Um, <laughs> but, uh, like, like I'm just like, is this camera like going to give me a cool, like result, a sharp photo with, it's got aperture 
and all that sort of stuff, you know, manual camera, it doesn't matter. But um, the same was with music. Like I was not really too fussed about like good equipment or anything like that. It just comes down to like what you produce at the end of it and if you like it or not. And it's a similar sort of satisfaction, I guess. And shooting photos, it's a little bit more of a delayed satisfaction because you with music you're hearing it straight away with with film photography i guess you you're not seeing it until a period of time later um but but i still get that like excitement like i just before uh we we dialed this in today i just walked in the door and i've just picked up um some negatives from a shoot two days ago and i still have to scan them so i haven't seen them yet but just that feeling of like getting the negatives back. I'm like, Oh, I'm like excited to like put these into the scanner and see what's there. Um, well, now I feel bad. I've, I've held you back from looking through your negatives. No, 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 that's fine. Um, but yeah, no, it's a, it's a similar sort of, sort of thing. And, and I also think I really, I really enjoy the process. I think a little bit more than making music with making music. It's sort of, um, I could do it for an hour maybe two hours or whatever, but with, <laughs> with like, with photography, like I'll just spend so much time, like, and, and on my own as well. Like I can be a bit of an introvert. Um, I've had a couple of different music projects and, and some of them were working on my own, but, um, yeah, with photography, like in terms of like the, the getting the negatives, the scanning, the negatives, the spotting out dust or whatever, um, you know, shooting a Polaroid or whatever. Like, I don't know. It's a, it's a very sort of introverted sort of experience for me. And I just really like it. Yeah. It's really nice. <laughs> so I've got a question that was number two on my list. Um, and I've kind of danced around it cause I feel like it's one of those, uh, one of those questions that I think everyone would dread if they knew it was coming because they would have to really overthink it. And I've been trying to think of the best <laughs> way to put this in. Basically, I, I think that the way that someone sees, you know, the way you see yourself in the mirror is different to the way that people see you, the way that you see your work, because you have a personal attachment to when photos were taken is different to the way people that have, haven't got that personal attachment. Um, I, yesterday I watched, um, for the, I'm having a bit of a movie binge at the moment on stuff that I haven't previously watched that I should have done. And I watched Black Swan and mm-hmm. um, I was having a conversation with someone about the fact that Natalie Portman won the Oscar for it. And they said, well, she actually learned ballet and put a load of her own money and time into, into the production of that film. And to me, if I have to be told that, then it obviously didn't, it, it, it shouldn't influence the end product. The end product is what it is. And you shouldn't need the additional information to tell you that, if you know what I mean? Like you shouldn't win mm-hmm. an award for something that you can't see within the borders of the film. It's, it's just an interesting way that sort of people outside and emotionally detached from something completely view something differently from people that were right in the thick of it and were there at the time it was being created and so on. So with that said, I've delayed this as long as I humanly can. How would you describe the end product, your actual photos? How would you describe your style? I've, I've been trying to have a style for so long. I don't really know what it is. Um, I, I know where I want it to get to, um, but I don't feel like I'm there yet. I want, and I touched on it a little bit earlier, um, but I want my photos to look like they're still from 
like a film, oh, it sounds how wanky, but like a film that's <laughs> like, <laughs> like a film that's never been made or will never be made. You know what I mean? But, but it could be from a film or something. Um, but it's something that I'm, I'm trying to get to, um, but I don't feel like I've gotten there yet. At the minute, I'd say people would probably just say I, I'm a portraiture person, artist or whatever that, um, you know, I guess I, people have used the word dreamy a lot, um, that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't know. Is there, is there a word that's, is there a word that's used about your work? Like, is there a, a word of description that's used that you feel like completely doesn't describe it from, from your perspective? Um, to be honest, I don't know who really talks about my work. <laughs> <laughs> like, people haven't really spoken to me about it. Usually when I work with someone, they just say if they like it or not. But like, that's really where it stops and starts. But yeah, people have said like dreamy and that sort of stuff. But it's weird because like, my uh, my photos like I only recently changed something in my Instagram bio to say that I shoot film and Polaroid before I didn't even say that I shot film because I thought it was kind of like not relevant but I guess now that I have this YouTube channel I was like it's kind of about that so maybe I'll put that in there but um I I don't want to be like this film photographer you know what I mean like the, the cliche film photographer and especially not the cliche like YouTube film photographer um, but, uh, yes, I know what I don't want to be, but <laughs> I, I know, I know where I want to get my photos too. Um, but I think I've just been a bit slack for about the last year, but I posted two things on Instagram this week. So that's a step forward. And I, I like, now I've just kind of decided, can I, I don't know if I can swear. I think I've been swearing a lot you go for it. because I'm Australian, but yeah, like I recently was just kind of like, fuck it. You know, like I was overthinking about what to post on Instagram or whatever. But I think starting the YouTube channel really like broke that wall down for me because I was like, that's like me on there, like talking to a camera. Like it's how it's that's like as, as embarrassed as I'll probably ever get. So like Instagram can't do any worse than that. So I was like, fuck it. I'm just going to post whatever. And I don't know. I don't really care if people like it or not, but you know, I just, I just don't want to be that like that film photographer that like walks around like and takes photos of like shoes hanging from power lines and stuff. And yeah, like the, the typical study beats sort of study beats sort of guy. Like I just, right. like, yeah, I'm trying, I'm trying to steer, steer clear of that. And it used to be easy because there, there was no real like, film photographer thing when i first started shooting but um well, there was an amazing um like parody youtube video for the beginning of 2021 and i can't actually remember the name of the channel um i, I remember commenting on the guy's video and saying this is the best video i've seen in a long time and basically it's this fella that turns up at his studio unlocks the door rolls down the paper gets out the expensive camera gets out the tripod c- connects it all up gets all of the lights on shows him saying like literally it's like beat for beat shows him setting everything up and then he walks sits down in front of the camera and he goes here's why it's not all about the gear and it's like the most perfect parody of what most of like the digital side of youtube is and i actually got thinking like i i feel like i've got a good parody of film photography on youtube potentially which would just be like 
randomly walking around taking pictures on the point and shoot of stuff that is just completely meaningless but people will pretend to find an interpretation (laughs) for it and then i'll have like a nice lo-fi beat underneath because you can't take a film photo without a lo-fi beat oh the lo-fi beat thing drives me nuts hey like i i i I try not to shit on it because like even youtubers that i like really like use it you know like uh, I think you've done a podcast with Grainy Days. I like love. Him. Oh, yeah. He's amazing. Um, and one of his intros was like, "Welcome to, um, welcome to like study beats to shoot film to." Or right. <laughs> I was like, "That's so funny." But I've like made an effort in my YouTube videos to put like funk in and like jazz and like because the, the websites with like the right free music, they give you heaps of options. So I was like, well, I'm not going to use like study beats, but at the same time I was like, maybe people won't want to watch it then. Like, yeah. cause it's different. It's to, a vital ingredient. Yeah. I was like, maybe I'll like people cause study beats are easy. That's why they're study beats. Anyone can like do something else while listening to it, I guess. But if you put like funk in, I was worried people might be like, I don't like, funk music i'm not watching this (laughs) but then i was just like no well i'm I'm just gonna put it in because i like it and then people have been commenting actually saying who's this band and that sort of thing so that was cool i remember the first time i put a rock intro on one of the podcasts and i got about five or six people message me just saying really like the music it's like yeah i didn't do that (laughs) if you uh if you want to talk about the podcast i was definitely involved in that process but uh, yeah the music's great thanks so I guess I guess some people are just relieved to not be hearing the lo-fi beats for a change. The first three videos on my channel. So the first video I ever made, which I don't, I don't even talk in, I just videoed me shooting some um, some Polaroids at the beach, and I like I didn't even know how to edit video or anything yet. This is only like three months ago, but I um, had like iMovie on my computer and I didn't have any music, so I just grabbed one of my own songs. <laughs> one of my own songs is in that first one. And then the next two, I messaged my mate and was like, hey, because he plays acoustic guitar tracks. I was like, can I use your music in my video? And he was like, yeah, yeah, that's cool. And people were messaging saying, you know, who's this band and that sort of thing. And I was like, oh, that's like, this is kind of maybe a good idea, you know? And then moving forward, I I went to one of those like rights-free sort of uh, websites because um, honestly, because the production of my videos is so shit i was like i'm probably gonna try and find some like pretty high production music to balance it out (laughs) (laughs) the old expression is that people can put up with bad video but they can't put up with bad audio yeah that's what i was like as long as i put nice music in it'll cover up the fact that like i have no idea what i'm doing with this digital camera um and yeah, it seems to have worked. I think I've got like 90-something subscribers. Well, we're going to at least double that. I'm going to make sure that at least doubles. Um, I'm going to start pressuring people because at the end of the day, I want to see you know more than the same five people just appear over and over again. I, I'm even at the point where if I watch a YouTube video of a, a really specific... Like I'll watch one of yours and the next one it wants to take me to is something that's got 3 million views that was by one of those five yeah. people. It's like, why would you not keep me on the same line that i'm currently on why would you immediately divert back to something that already has a ton of views like you're not spreading like the 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 channel won't the the sorry not the channel but the website won't do well and i'm obviously talking complete bollocks here because it's not like youtube's struggling but it won't continue to grow if if you know every avenue takes you back down the same dead end so it'd just yeah. be nice to see some some variety we need to wrap up because i feel like i've taken up way too much of your time on this 
<laughs> let's let's just do a quick two part question and then and then we'll move towards the end. Go for it. You, you've kind of touched on a few bits of this over the course of this, but let's let's really define it. What do you feel like your biggest strength and weakness is as a photographer? Um, strengths is hard to say without sounding like arrogant, but um, I think a strength of mine is that I can go into a shoot or something and kind of. I don't know how to say this. Like, look at things from a slightly different angle, I guess. Right. Um, I kind of like really, if it's say like on location or something, which most of them are, I'll kind of really like analyze the space before I sort of start shooting. Um, like sometimes I'll just stand there for a little while and and trying to sort of put pictures together in my head or or scenes together in my head before I'll um before I'll start shooting. Um whereas like when I've watched other people shoot, I guess they usually will just say that's a nice flower or something and let's just go over there and we'll just start taking photos kind of thing. Um so I guess yeah I don't I try I try to bring a different sort of perspective and and look to to the photos that <laughs> I uh that I make. I don't I don't know if that shows or not but <laughs> um and also I, I am trying to create photos that are somewhat timeless. So like, and I don't mean that in like a vintage filmy sort of way. I just mean like, I don't put things, I don't put timestamps in my photos. Yeah. So you won't ever see anyone with like an iPhone or you won't see many like buildings that you can tell like when they were built or anything like that. I try to keep it very, um, timeless i guess yeah, yeah, yeah no, I, I get what you mean i've got a big thing about cars i don't like cars being in photos because it really dates the image yeah especially like i don't know again we could go on about this but like vintage cars look cool but were they cool when they were new you know right right but um a weakness a weakness of mine i think is like i just i just don't really like gear and i don't spend time like learning about I feel like I don't optimize my gear or optimize the technology I have available. And that's something I'm like working on, especially like with the YouTube thing as well is, is trying to uh, become a little bit more like finger on the button on the internet and like posting things and, and sharing things and getting better at shooting with a digital camera and, and just being more like present, I guess. I'm usually just like off in my own world. Like I take photos and I scan them and they're on my computer and then I just don't show anyone and don't tell anyone. <laughs> um, so I'm trying, like, I'm really trying to like be better at that. Um, my girlfriend's been a huge help as well because she was sort of like, like, Hey, let's put together a shoot with this model and we'll, I'll, I'll style and we'll work on it. And, so she's giving me a bit of a nudge, which is awesome as well. But yeah, that's definitely uh, something I'm, I'm trying to get better at. And that's uh, so why I'm stoked about being on the podcast as well. I appreciate you having me on here. And I, um, yeah, that should give me a little nudge as well to, to keep uh, staying on the internet and sharing my pictures. Well, with that said, that's, that's annoy some people into going and following you and, and finding someone new and exciting to watch on YouTube. So this is the most important part. All of the stuff we've done before, this is completely irrelevant and completely disposed. I'm joking. It's not that bad. But this is the most important part. We need to tell people where they can go to find you. Um, so Instagram, YouTube, website, whatever you want to plug, please plug away. Um, yeah. So my Instagram is called Stapled Together, which is just one word. 
Um, and that's because my surname is Stapley. Um, and someone that I lived with once said my life is like a sitcom and he wants to write a show about me called Staple Together. So that was why that became my Instagram name. And then the YouTube is just the same name, Staple Together, but I don't know why, but you can't really find it if you search for it. Um, so maybe just go to my Instagram and I've got a link on there to the YouTube channel. And I'll also be linking it on the podcast um, underneath. So. Um, massive thank you for taking the time out of your evening which is my morning which I'm still trying to wrap my head around even though I've phoned Australia multiple <laughs> times a massive thank you for taking the time to do this it's been great to talk to you yeah thanks for having me